CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. Uh, to learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag leadership. Today's topic is how to get more women in IT. And our guests for today's show are Fawn Germer, is a global leadership speaker and the best-selling Oprah author and women's leadership expert. Morning, Fawn. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Sandra? Very good. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we also have Janet Sherlock, who's the CIO of Carter Inc. Good morning, Janet. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Great, great. Now, there's always a lot of conversation about gender inequality, and uh, we especially see it in IT and technology-related fields. But for the purpose of this show, we really wanted to ask how organizations are prioritizing bringing women on board at different positions, and is it really as just putting together a, a team of people who, where, where there's a mix of both genders, or this is more about bringing a feminine touch uh, to the organization. So that said, uh, the first question, uh, let me start with you, Fawn. Uh, what do you think is the very basis of why anyone would want to talk about gender equality? Because if you look at beauty and fashion, for example, it is, it's dominated by women, but I've not seen as many people saying we need to bring more men in there. So what's happening on the, on the other side when we're talking about business and IT as disciplines? Well, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of education that still needs to go on. And um, you know, God bless you. It's it's not a feminine touch. That's that's kind of where some of the the old stuff gets caught up. It's that women are viable leaders in every possible realm of the business world, but the IT realm hasn't moved forward enough, and it, it has been, you know, a place where women have fled. Not, you know, they they were successful in attracting. They couldn't retain them, and part of it is this whole education. You know, we it's how we, we get people to welcome women and recruit women and advance them and make them feel like they have a place there because women are great contributors. We've seen so many studies showing that what happens to teams when women are on them in terms of output and creativity, you know, there's a, the one advantage Americans have is innovation and women are great innovators, particularly if they're involved in diverse groups. And so it's not a feminine touch. It is the woman's perspective that is powerful and desperately needed in order to keep us as viable players in a global marketplace. So, of course, you know, sitting inside, Janet, this is a question for you. We have never said as a community to say, okay, there should be fewer women, or this is not a deliberate attempt to reduce the number to have majority of the other sex. Now, what has caused this? for women to not start from the very top of the funnel, which is to get educated in science and math, perhaps, or, or then, you know, following uh, the professional path eventually to leadership. So at all levels, nobody's stopping, but there is still seem to be a perceived gap. What could be happening here? 
Well, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 20%, 26% of all uh, technology jobs are held by women, and that number, unfortunately, has not been increasing at, at, at any rate whatsoever. And when I'm recruiting for roles within my organization, frankly, I don't see a large pool of women candidates. And the pool gets smaller and smaller for the higher level roles and the executive roles. And I hear the same feedback from my CIO colleagues, whether that's locally here, uh, horizontally in the in the Atlanta area, or vertically uh, nationally with uh, with my retail industry CIO colleagues. Uh, so you know, frankly, the, the the pool isn't all that large. However, I remain pretty optimistic that that there's going to be continued change, and there will be uh, some some positive uh, impact on those statistics. First and foremost, is there has been the heightened there has been recent heightened awareness of that topic very recently. It is having conversations like the one we're having today. It is the media, books like Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In and dynamic uh, public speakers like like Fawn that are providing a forum for dialogue on this particular topic. So I think that um, the emphasis itself is, is going to have a positive impact on things. But in addition, I think that the technology field itself is in a state of metamorphosis. So those traditional IT roles like security, networking, development may not be increasing in percentages for women, but frankly, they're not increasing in percentages overall um, because of the fact of, of, of cloud computing, uh, the, com- uh, the consumerization of IT, and several other factors. I think that there are the the the, more, the metamorphosis of IT is going to include areas that may be inherently more attractive for both genders and particularly for women. Things like social media, analytics, business analysis, IT project management, to name a few. So, uh, Fawn, coming to you, when we talk about something being as an attractive profession, I mean, do you really feel that uh, we should be pushing a particular agenda because? of the fact that someone is not joining a given profession and which could be because of very different reason, which is their own choice. Why are we trying to, uh, you know, push a community's agenda when an individual's agenda is not aligned with it? You know, it's not just a question of why they aren't joining. It's a bigger question of why they have left. And, you know, uh, Janet's citing those um, Bureau of Labor Statistics is, is, you know, a great place to start because from that same study, in the 1990s, women held 40% of the computing jobs, okay? But they weren't being advanced. They weren't being attracted. They weren't enjoying their work. And they found that, you know, two years after a female computer science major got into the field, she left it. So the biggest issue is what to do to make it something that women want to participate in. What makes it desirable. And that's where the real debate needs to be. What do you think are the reasons somebody, if you go and poll, say a number of women who have joined the workforce within business and technology areas, and then they have left, what was the disconnect? Where did they feel either they were not taken care of, or there was an inherent disconnect in the, in the very liking of, of what they were doing? Working conditions, low salaries, long hours, um, they sensed a lack of opportunity. You know, the work-life balance issue is a huge issue. I, you know, I love the lean-in concept, but I'm just as much an advocate of leaning out because that's 
that's where you get your whole life picture. And that that's something, you know, I if I speak in China and there are women coming up to me afterwards, they, the first thing they ask me is work-life balance. And in India, how do you balance everything? So this is not something that's unique to us, but it's something that is so real and primal and it has to be considered when I was a, an investigative reporter and they, they'd say, well, go ask her how she does all that and raises a family. And I was so offended because you would never ask a man that. But then when I got in the real world and I saw what was keeping women from accelerating and truly embracing, it was the, the pull. It's the pull. It's the life balance pull. And, you know, the other thing is they had a study that showed that almost a fourth of women in the industry said that they got bored with their daily work. So it's constantly changing. We have to find ways to show that there is so much opportunity and excitement and that it's, an, you know, it's the adrenaline industry of the future. Now, all the factors that Fawn mentioned, coming back to you, Janet, in, over the years as you've grown from being, uh, I'm sure, at the lower level in the hierarchy all the way up to a CIO, I'm sure you would have seen the same things happening to you. So is it a very individual's perspective, what is important, and you stick to your guns and continue to do it, even though sometimes it may not be the most challenging? Because otherwise, uh, if you were to say that most women are leaving because they find the work to be getting, they get bored easily or things like that, then somebody might label them as high maintenance. And frankly, if somebody's trying to get their job done in a business, to what degree would they want to take care of an individual's uh, preferences and also balance the business interests? How do you see that? Well, I, I, frankly, I think that someone who would say that they're not being challenged by their job, everyone is responsible for finding their own challenges. Now, I, I, I know that some lower-level jobs aren't necessarily always very challenging, uh, but that's actually showing those having displaying self-motivation is a key to ascension into an organization. But to go back to uh, Fern, uh, Fawn's point uh, and, and the points we were making, I think that our biggest issue is the funnel. It is that ascension into leadership and executive roles. Uh, there are a fair amount of women actually placed in entry-level roles, and it, but it, it's still the, the funnel gets smaller and smaller and smaller until you get to the point of, of women CIOs where you know the statistics, depending on the study and the industry and, and however you look at it, is anywhere from seven to to, to thirty percent. In my particular space, fourteen uh, percent of women are, are retail CIOs, and I, I, I completely agree with with what Fawn said in that uh, it really is that women, and this isn't just in IT, but it, it's particularly in IT, aren't finding ascension, the, the, the need to compete, to ascend into executive roles worth it. I think that uh, it's when they look at the challenges with work-life balance and what they see what it's going to take, um, they'll often opt, in, opt to stay at their lower or mid-level jobs, opt to stay home, or take completely different career paths. And uh, women in technology have the highest quit or fallout rate than any other women in the STEM fields. And, and I think, you know, particularly for technology, you know, the CIO role, the average tenure was only about two years, uh, a few years ago. I think that may be a little bit longer now. And IT is a very 24-7 job. 
And the expectations are very, very high in the IT field. There are literally millions of things that have to go right every day, lines of code, packets of data, and you know anything that can go wrong can result in a crisis. And I think many women find this pace grueling and this level of expectation potentially intimidating. But the point is, is that it can be very gratifying. If you are the kind of person that's driven by seeing transformation in your organization through the technology you're delivering, it, it's a great, great career path to choose. And I don't think that it's it's that, you know, as somebody's high maintenance, if they find something unchallenging or, or boring, because, you know, companies in every industry right now are bending over backwards trying to find ways to keep the younger employees stimulated and involved because they have so much to contribute and they are so valuable, but they need a lot of stimulation. So that's not high maintenance. It's like there's just this workforce that you've got to figure out how to stimulate and bring into the fold. So, Fawn, do you think, based on what you just said, and you're right about it, that nobody likes to be seen as somebody who's high maintenance, do you think the other sex, which is men, who are supposed to be, for the most part, become providers, or at least that's how the society looks at them, then even though it's boring, even though it is grueling, they stick to it because somebody has to bring bread to the table, and then because women are basically saying, I'm not going to be doing this, I'm going to change my career path, and they're not going to go to the leadership position, that's because they are choosing it. And I'm sure if we could change the environment for both, then people will have a better life overall. But what is being expected in terms of that change? Do we want suddenly fewer hours to be spent? Should there be uh, more people to do same amount of jobs so that the workload reduces or the work variety reduces? So what is the inherent expectation which people are trying to say the organization should provide? Well, you know, and let's remember that that Women are providers today, not just as single parents, but the number of women who are the primary breadwinners in the family is is just increasing dramatically every year. And I've, I've got those numbers somewhere, but I don't have them on my head right now. So we have to remember that, that they're just choosing somewhere else to be a provider and that how you get them in there and, and, and do it is, is you make them feel like they matter, like there is a path to success that will lead them through that obstacle course that gets them into positions like like what Janet has, that they have access to it. And then, you know, good companies are constantly finding ways to help women to network them through the company at, you know, they've got women's leadership events. And I think the best ones are events that include men because women need opportunities to find their path and make the connections that they need to make. So women's leadership is, is huge and successful, and it's making a peer network that helps them to get through the points where they say, you know, I think I'm going to drop off here. If you've got others coaching you along, there's more incentive to stay in it, and you feel like you're gaining ground, and a lot of companies have figured this out. It's, it's, there's an energy there that not only, you know, are they having events, but that, that women are talking, and since the workplace is so scattered, you know, it used to be that everybody sat in one office and you'd see your, your colleagues. Now you find a ways technologically to bring them together. And I'm, I'm always a big fan of the um, Skype and Wine because you can talk about what's going on. So it's creating opportunities to connect, share your mission, advance. That's all so important, and it makes the experience a lot more meaningful. And women care about that. They care about mattering. They care about meaning. 
Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Janet, when we come back, we'd love to get your uh, learn about your journey, what personally, what has been your trajectory when you have been with IT or maybe in different positions, and how did you overcome some of the barriers that are being discussed right now, and how did you get through and manage to get through to the funnel where very few people reached. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Janet, how about your journey, the trajectory, the challenges that you face, and what did you do different because of which you are here? Sure. A couple of things. Well, one of the things that I think is, uh, that other women should find, um, and not just women, but people should find optimistic uh, about potential career tra- trajectory into a CIO role is I did not have a computer science degree. I had actually a, a degree in supply chain operations, uh, which I have to say has probably helped me within my journey uh, in, in retail IT. So I think that you know the the emphasis that you have to have a degree in computer science is is it's, it's awfully helpful, especially in certain sectors of of IT, but not it's not necessary. So I think that that that's one point I'd like to make. And you know the other things are I've been able to I, I was lucky enough fairly early in my career, probably early to mid career, that the spark came and I realized exactly what I, I wanted to do. One of the things I'm struck by so often when I'm speaking with women is when I ask them, well, what is your career goal? They often don't have an answer, which is in sharp uh, juxtaposition to men who are often very clear and decisive. I want to be a CIO. Um, and, and when you know what you want to do, and I knew that I wanted to be a retail IT executive leader uh, you know, several years ago. So, therefore, I was able to forge a career that made it so that I was attaining the skills and experience necessary to ascend into that role. Uh, so I think it's really important that women have that North Star and understand exactly the path that they're willing to take. Um, the other key element is marrying the right person and having the right partner and having that important dialogue where you discuss exactly how you're planning on balancing your your home life, uh, who's going to take care of the children, how are we going to do this. 
If, if a career is, it requires a move, how are we going to handle this? Uh, my husband and I have been very fortunate, and I'm married to a wonderful man who has been very supportive of my career, and I'm very supportive of his career. So we've been able to make it work because we have a, a great partnership and have had that honest dialogue and had, have very actively planned how we were going to manage in that area. Fawn, what do you think about the changes that you expect to happen in the social fabric, which will, in a way, or directly or indirectly impact inclusion or more infusion of women in business and IT? Well, that change has been ongoing. And, you know, I don't know that there's going to be anything more dramatic than what happened when we all became connected through social media. That that found a way to help people to to find alliances, to get together and meet, to share things that they never could share with anyone before. And I, I think that that was really great. Now, in terms of what's going to happen specifically in IT, I, I don't know. I don't know because that is an industry where, you know, it's spreading out more and that the the people aren't face-to-face with each other like they once were. And I, I, I can't do that. Janet may be better to answer that one. So from a semantic standpoint, frankly, IT is being used because this is CIO Talk Radio, so we're talking about that. But if you were to expand the horizon a little bit more, any role which requires 24 by 7, in, be, 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 be touch with others 24 by 7 and or be more demanding, then the same rules will apply. And those will be the industries where people will find difficult to cope up with while they are also trying to uh, get their work-life balance. So to that, Fawn, do you think there is something which if suppose we were to do a root cause analysis or if something has been done in that regard, are there some some elements which are surfacing, which are saying, we, we are saying these are the main reasons why we are in this state today? Well, you've got this clash between, you know, what we want to do professionally. We want challenge. We want success, and then what not only we want to do personally, but what we feel obligated to do personally, which is, you know, it's, I always tell this story about how when I was a reporter, I I was doing the biggest series I'd ever done in my life, and it took 10 months, and it got nominated twice for the Pulitzer, and things piled up during that time, and I just kept putting piles of mail into the, the guest bedroom, and one day... Um, you know, I, everybody was coming. We were meeting at my house before going out to dinner, and my husband opened that door to the guest bedroom and said, hey, look at this, and he exposed the piles of mail that were that hadn't been put away, and it was, it was a big pile, not quite hoarder's story, but it was, it was bad. And I felt like the biggest failure on earth, not because, I'd failed because I was succeeding wildly professionally, but because you are expected to still be successful in your traditional roles while you succeed at everything else. And so this is, that's the issue across the board is, you know, as things become more demanding, how you can do the things you feel you have to do at home. And I just tell people, let some of it go, you know, hire out. And then the other thing, if, you, if it's not making you happy, don't do it. You know, people are starting to talk about that more because you've got a whole, you know, the baby boomers are starting to retire and you've got a generation of people that now 
has focused on work but also fun. And they're realizing that, that sometimes that they've conflicted and they haven't spent their time the way they should. They've seen their friends get unhealthy. And, and so there are a lot of other balance considerations that they are trying to honor. But, you know, if you talk about that 24-hour cycle and I stand in front of an audience and say, how many of you checked your email last night after work? And, of course, everybody raises their hand. And then I say, well, how many of you checked it twice? And everybody raises their hand. Like, how many have checked it three or more times? And most people raise their hand. How many of you have checked it endlessly? And, you know, there's a good number of people. And as the demands grow, it's up to us to set the boundaries that show what we're willing to do and not do. And there is no crime in saying some other things matter to me besides my job. You know, it may, you know, it may conflict with, my trajectory, but I've got to do the things that matter to me personally. And that's what's happening across the board, and I think people are learning what what their values are. So, Janet, when you look at uh, the the environment that you've been in, and I'm sure you've come across other women who may have shared some interesting challenges that they're dealing with, would you be able to share some of those which are Mm -hmm. not the challenges which for which you have a ready answer, but they have to kind of live with it, and that may be causing them to not uh, get up to uh, the level of, uh, you know, commitment that they can show towards the job, which will in turn get them the growth that they're looking for. Sure. The the whole thing of, of, of balance, it, it's, it cuts both ways. I completely agree with Fawn from the standpoint that the connectedness is making us readily accessible. Whether you're in IT or not in IT, it's probably a little worse for those of us in IT, but the connectedness is making us accessible and feeling obligated to work literally 24-7. Uh, I, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I didn't sleep with my smartphone right next to my ear. I, I do. Um, but, you know, at the same time, that does give us the flexibility to be able to not be in the office and still stay connected and understand what's going on. Now, sometimes, obviously, you need to, to, to go away, take your vacations, and completely disconnect. But it does give you that flexibility to not be in the office at consistent hours and, and to be able to telecommute and do those types of things. That, that, that's, that's the technology has been a, a two-way, two-way street from, from that standpoint. But as far as the, the challenges and being able to prove that you can do it all, I mean, I think, you know, frankly, companies have high expectations regardless of your gender. And I, don't, I personally don't feel that because I'm a woman I have any more to prove. I think it's just that, um, you know, you've got to find those boundaries and you have to prioritize what it is that you do need to prove to your organization to prove that you are deserving of higher-level roles and executive leadership roles. Uh, so I think that it, a lot of it is not necessarily about working harder. It's about being able to portray yourself in a way and be able to put forth uh, your successes and uh, portray yourself so, so that there's confidence that you'll be able to deliver. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Fawn, maybe we should explore why in the first place when we are looking at the STEM fields and women not even entering from, from an educational standpoint in those areas. So in a way, the top of the funnel is not fully filled with appropriate number or desired number of 
women so that through the funnel, when they five to seven percent trickles through, we know that there are enough people adding, getting added to the workforce, enough women getting added to the workforce, not at the, and it's, it's exceeding the speed at which they are quitting so that you have an incremental growth. And so there is some hope. So if you're not going to have a funnel properly filled at the tops, then God bless us all. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Fawn, do you think there is a reason why in the STEM fields we find fewer and fewer women enrolling? And that's what at least some of the research says. And if that's going to happen, then towards that, you know, the, the funnel, the end of the funnel, you will have even worse situation going forward. And you'll never incrementally add more women to the mix. Right. Well, I think we were talking in the break how the funnel is emptier than it's ever been also because there's estimated there are going to be 1.4 million openings in technology. I believe that's in the United States in the next four years. And that um, schools are only cranking out 52% of the needed graduates. Now, what happened was that women did go in, but it just didn't become something that seemed very attractive or fun or whatever. And so it's incumbent on the companies and industries to do the kind of recruiting they need to get people into these programs. And I see that kind of recruiting going on in different disciplines all the time because one of the, the things I do every year, I have several events where they are bringing in undecided majors, trying to lure them, but and, you know, they're, they're high test scores and high performers who haven't figured it out, and they're trying to lure them into certain industries. So tech needs to get on that and do that, because I haven't done one of those for technology. But that, that's one way of doing it, is to show it. And Plus, there aren't a lot of role models out there to look at. Yeah, you know, you've got your couple, you know, Marissa Mayer, and, and it, it, it's it's that we need to show that there is a path that is meaningful and that can be achieved, and we aren't seeing that yet. So, Janet, do you think only uh, the not-for-profit volunteer organizations are the ones who are taking the lead in ensuring that the funnel is filled or is the organization and the industry, which actually is going to be the end beneficiary, of inclusion of more science and math and uh, engineering people join the workforce are actually taking the lead as well? Oh, I don't think that it's necessarily just uh, in the not-for-profit area. There has been a a large emphasis uh, for promoting 
uh, STEM education and STEM careers, uh, not just for women, but for, for men as well. As uh, Fawn had mentioned, there is a huge shortage of, of IT uh, talent uh, in the United States. The unemployment rate, I believe, is hovering around 8% in Georgia, and it's 2% for IT. Uh, so we do have an issue of having enough IT talent in general. Uh, but for women in particular, I, the, the stat that I've got is 60% of college degrees are earned by women, but only 20% of those uh, 20% of those degrees. I'm, I'm sorry, only 20% of con- computer science degrees are attained by women. So there's definitely not enough women that are going through. I mean, obviously, you know, being 50% of the population or over 50% of the population, you'd like to see something similar uh, in, in those in those statistics. Uh, but I do have to say I am really, really happy that there is a concerted effort to encourage STEM education and STEM fields into young people, even starting as early as in grade school. I, I know I'm participative in some of those functions here in the in the local Georgia area, uh, and this effort to uh, focus on careers in these fields doesn't just assist in filling the uh, projected demand for future IT jobs, but it also helps to shatter the cliche for for girls. I think we all completely agree that it's preposterous that girls don't have an inclination for math or science. It's simply a matter of what's presented and emphasized to young girls in our homes and in our schools. Doesn't that amaze you that that hasn't changed? Because we've known that for so long, and I I just haven't seen that much movement on that. Now, would you say, uh, Fawn, that the, the and then you have a point here that you know these are obvious. Many of these are very obvious points that we are talking on this uh, forum here, but then we do not see the follow through or a, a, little, a little more formal or measurable follow through. Do you think that's because there is not enough concerted effort or like you know cohesive effort, if you will, uh, from industry, government, and academia together, so that we work towards solving a problem versus just trying to meet our respective agendas? Well, I think you're right on that, but it's it's you know getting anything like that pulled off. It's it's just obviously it's needed because the the things that made change happen in other industries have not worked in this industry. So it's going to take something more dramatic to pull it off. It is very societal. I I, I agree, and I I think back to a point that you made earlier, Fawn. It is about having those key role models out there and available to have girls aspire to want to, be, to to ascend to those roles and to, to be something that they want to be, not just, right. uh, you know, one of the Kardashians or whatever the case may be, Thank I, you. you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, and the more women that, we're, that are, are being uh, portrayed in the media and being spoken about and having press around them is, is just a, a huge step in the right direction for, yeah. for, 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 for that. So if you were to go out there, uh, Janet, this is a question for you, and try to make changes in your own um, organization in the way you bring new people on board, the way you groom them, and they may not come as just fresh graduates, but at any level, and then kind of incubate them in order for them to be primed so that they are willing to go that extra mile, whosoever chooses to do so, of course, and then eventually is able to predictably follow that path towards leadership versus one-size-fits-all, broad-stroking organizational development because that is not delivering the results that you and I want. Yes. I, within my own organization, I, uh, 
it's interesting. My obligation to deliver technology for my company, whether it's this company or, or previous companies I, I've worked for, is to have the best talent to deliver it. So I don't necessarily care about uh, about gender or or, or race or uh, status at, at all. However, it is so important that we continue to look at the statistics of, of who we have on our, on our teams and make sure that we're trying to. I, I make an effort when I am recruiting, especially for leadership roles, uh, to, to talk to the recruiters about really pushing and really seeking diverse candidates um, and, and, and obviously women for, for, for uh, leadership roles. So I definitely try to attract them. And, you know, frankly, I, I pull out all the stops as far as I'm in the Atlanta area. I hoof the streets. I'm out there, and I, I'm trying to portray a great environment to work in here at, uh, at my company that would attract uh, good candidates, and I'm trying to be one of those role models for women. I, I have to say I'm a reluctant one, but nonetheless, I, I do feel an obligation as, as woman CIO to, to try to be one of those types of role models for, for women out there. As far as um, you know, incubating things, it's interesting. There was a, recently I participated in a local event here, about 20 different CIOs in, in the Georgia area, major major companies. We got together, and ironically, and it was, it was the topic was about how to be advocates for women in IT. Ironically enough, only two of us were women, um, and the men all largely focused on the statistics and about having goals for statistics for having women in, in, in roles within their organizations and in leadership roles. And, you know, I, I applaud the, the having the statistics and measuring that. You can't improve what you don't measure. But the thing that I had to emphasize to all these folks was, it's not about the statistics. The important thing is to provide an environment where you're inspiring women to want to ascend into leadership roles. Make it known that it will be worth their while to ascend into a leadership role. Help build their confidence. I, we should have a whole other discussion about confidence building because I think that that's another huge area of, of, uh, of, of improvement for women. But instill confidence in them that they can do the job and that they can actually ascend into leadership roles and provide an environment, obviously, with flex, flexible and uh, working conditions for both genders. So, Fawn, when you look at this uh, environment that, of course, you know, Janet mentioned that there were some of the things that they are doing internally within their organization. Do you think as an individual, a, a woman who, who thinks that she would like to get to the next level but doesn't know how the path is not clear or the different steps that they have to take and maybe the confidence building, do you think each organization could fundamentally look at this as an opportunity to build uh, a, like a, a – a system or a process or a forum where such people could go without, with some immunity that this is what they're trying to do. They want something to be dealt differently so that they can go about taking care of their home life as well as the work life and then become the people that they want to be, become the professionals and the leaders they want to be. Do you think if they, this could be done more at an organization level versus one person screaming at top of their lungs, within their company that they want to do something but nobody hears, is that approach going to be feasible? We can talk about it, but do you think organizations are willing to go that direction? Well, you know, part of it is something that, that could be institutionalized, but the truth of it is that as soon as you get women together talking and working together on it, things just start happening. And that's, you know, you can hear, you know, uh, I love women's leadership events. I speak at tons of women's leadership events. So it sounds like I have this vested interest in 
saying how great they are because then I make more money, but the truth is that when I am speaking to a group of men, I'm always paid more than, I'm, than I get for a group of women. But I always enjoy the women's events so much because there is an energy and a purpose. And what happens is that these women get together, and instead of waiting for the company to take charge and say, this is how we're going to move you along, they start creating leadership within the leadership committee that presents to the company ways that they can attract and retain. It begins a dialogue between the women leaders and the women who may not necessarily see themselves as leaders, showing that there's potential and that there's identity. I, mean, it's, it's, I always say there is no special DNA that makes somebody more qualified for a leadership position than you. You know, Odds are, if you're in a decent job, you're smart enough to do a better job. And, and, and the next level, and the next level. So when you get women together and say, okay, how are we going to help each other to manifest more for one and all, things start to happen. And it's powerful. I don't think you need the CEO to come and say, you know, in January this is what we're going to do, and then by April we will have accomplished, because the groups within these companies seem to be doing just fine making that happen. But it's just got to be sanctioned by the, the, the heads of the company and empowered by the companies. And I can always tell when things are going to happen and when they aren't because there are some companies when the CEO comes to launch the women's leadership event and it starts at 8.30 in the morning and he's there until 8.40 in the morning. And then there are the companies that the CEO shows up and he's there all day. The ones that are there with them are the ones that truly want to change and make things different. And, I, you know, I just think there's a huge historic opportunity for that, and that's where I would be putting my energy, is giving it to the women in the companies and saying, what do you think we need to do? So, Janet, while you mentioned that we could have another discussion on the confidence, but it's a great forum for us to at least touch on that. Where do you think the confidence is lacking, or is the foundational foundational blocks, the building blocks of how uh, they grow up, how they get educated and, and meddle, you know, uh, mingle in the societies. That's what's causing. Where, where is that confidence issue? You know, I, I, I'm not a psychologist and I, and I don't know, but I can tell you that I very often see women afraid to take on key leadership roles. I see them hesitant to take on uh, leading major projects due to, I think, an inherent lack of confidence. And I don't know why this seems to be an inherent trait for, for women, but it's, it is, it's pervasive. Heck, I'm even plagued by this myself to, to some degree, and I'm, I'm a pretty self-confident woman. Uh, there's, almost, there's pretty much no doubt in my mind that I am one of the best retail industry leaders out there today. But, um, but you know, on a, on a personal note, about a year ago, a, a really well-respected industry colleague called me to tell me, uh, we, we spoke about uh, this one particular uh, CEO role that was open, and it was it was pretty well publicized in the media. And she said that she knew a couple of the board members, and she was going to recommend me for this CEO role. And I, my first response was, well, I'm not qualified to be the CEO at such a large company. And you know, it, it's funny. I spent you know a week or two after that conversation thinking about that a, a little bit, and I thought you know, she was just crazy to to recommend me for that role to to the board members that she she knew at that company. And then I thought, you know what? That's really interesting because it is 
if, if I were a man, the likelihood is is that I would have been saying, oh, thank you for the opportunity. Here's my CV. Can you present it? And, and talked about it. My first inclination was I'm not qualified enough for it. I just think that that's one of those things that just goes back to an inherent difference between men and women. And I think that it really is something that we need to really focus on and just all work harder at. Well, you know, I do a lot of work on that. And, you know, study after study shows exactly what you say. If a woman is in an interview and is asked if she knows how to do something that she doesn't know, she will either say no or she'll say no, but I can learn. And the guy will go, yeah, you know, <laughs> figuring that he's going to learn it and everything works out. So, you know, I don't advocate lying, but I don't advocate being meek and, and and not going for things because, you know, we all learn on the fly, on the, the fly. And that what is it that makes us feel bad? It's just that, that or the confidence thing is rooted in self-esteem, which goes all the way back. That's a whole other thing. You know, I started interviewing for my books these most accomplished women leaders and trailblazers, people that we love and revere. And the third interview was with someone that, that's not famous but was highly accomplished. She started Nature's Sunshine Vitamins with, I think she had $150 and an idea. No college degree, seven kids, and she turned it into a company that this year will, will do over $400 million in business. And I said, well, what's your leadership strategy? And she just started she says, well, you know, I get up in the morning and I go to the closet and I try to find something that fits me because I'm overweight. And then I go out in the world and I try to do my best. And I said, well, you know, you have a self-esteem issue? You're on the cover of Bloomberg this month. And she says, well, she goes, can you imagine what it's like to be fat and stand in front of a vitamin company? And because she said that, I asked all those women about self-esteem. And I just found out how universal that was. Now, I have really good self-esteem because I know how bad everybody else's self-esteem is. And what, what a far set is, that we have the power to take control over that. And that, that's been my mission all along, is to show people how to rewrite some of that negative and give them the esteem, which then manifests itself in confidence to do things that they didn't think they could do. Because it's amazing how much we can surprise ourselves. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, Janet, when we come back, how about looking at the IT leadership role, which essentially has now become a business role? Because if somebody thought that IT is too esoteric or that's not the area I want to be, I don't expect myself to be dealing or tinkering with computers all day, guess what? That's not a, what a CIO role is today at all. In fact, they're moving away and away for uh, and talking more business and, and doing everything else but IT. So with that said, do you think there is a hope that people who are not in IT today instead of trying to fill the funnel at the top, take the people who are in business who have those core competencies and that they show the skills, they could be groomed into becoming a technology leader. Let's explore that when we come back. Please stay tuned. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. 
Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Janet, since the agenda here is to see how do we get more women in IT, so since we know, especially at the leadership level, it is less about IT, it's more about everything else, other competencies and other business domain knowledge, do you think that's an opportunity for us to get people from other areas who still have the core DNA and groom them into becoming an IT leader? I think that that's a huge opportunity, uh, Sanjog, because not because women don't necessarily have the the inclination for those really core deep technical skills uh, that that that's a that's just a, that's but because of the fact that there aren't as many women uh receiving uh stem degrees it, the opportunity is that you can have a career like I've had which was I had the business background for the first say 8 to 10 years of my career, and then I transitioned into information technology uh, because I had an inclination for for systems and started to take on uh, IT projects, started to do some technology training and those types of things. So I think that there is an opportunity for have women who have an inclination for technology yet don't have a specifically highly technical degree in technology. So I think that it's an opportunity for us all. And, uh, and yes, you're absolutely correct. That is one of the things that is so incredibly important about being a successful CIO is that you are business-focused. Um, and, and interestingly enough, I want to tie back to that com- the comment about uh, or the conversation we had about confidence. You know, it's not just about self-confidence when you're a CIO. Your, one of your primary jobs is to instill confidence in others, mm-hmm. into your business partners, into the executive leaders, into your board members, that you've got it, that you've got everyone's back, that you understand what's important to that business, and you're going to help lead your team to delivering technology that's going to make a difference in that business. If you can instill that confidence to those business constituencies and to those partners, then you're going to have a higher likelihood of success as a CIO. Now, Fawn, we've heard many times that women would say, I would like to go to another woman since she will be able to relate to me better in order to get advice. Is that leaving some opportunities on the table because there is a lot more uh, overall, whether men or women, a lot more experience available and, and things can be done where you can help that person with the confidence, with skills, with competency, with the approach to life, et cetera, et cetera, if they were to open up their minds. Do you think that particular sentiment prevails, that the woman has to go to women? Hey, look, I, I don't see that happening like you're saying. I see women enjoying talking to women about what they do and using them as role models, but not in exclusion of men. I don't know anyone who doesn't, you know, realize that that having male mentors and sponsors is 
as advantageous and in many cases more advantageous. So I, I, I just don't see that. I, I think that I think all, almost all of my mentors for a, a very long time were male, and I, I learned a lot from them, and they had the influence to make a difference. So I, one thing we show is, is don't, don't do it as the, at the exclusion. I just don't see that very much. Now, one is to do networking fund, which is um, in a professional setting. Where else could organizations be created and or forums can be created or perhaps they exist where women can go and get a totally different perspective than knowing the same set of people. They don't expand their network, perhaps. And that's true for men, too, because sometimes we would just say we are CIOs. So we will go to a place where IT people hang out. But where are other places? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, there's the Women in Technology Forum, which is an absolute awesome group, great group. Um, but I always tell people that you network every day, wherever you go, whatever you do, whether you're in the sea kayaking group or if you're in a technology group or if, if you're going to your Weight Watchers meeting, you never know who's in the room who's going to change your life. So you just keep talking to people, and that builds a very powerful network. I, I always laugh at an event in Boston, and, and I had to get my nails done before I went on, and I'm at the drying table, and having this conversation with this woman, and afterwards we were walking out and we find out that I'm a speaker and she's the executive vice president of State Street Financial, and I wind up doing an event for State Street, and then she ends up getting me something else in Boston, and it's because I went and got my nails and talked to this person. And that's why I always tell people, talk. Your networking happens everywhere. And the other thing is that when you are at an event within a company, and I see this again and again. You know, they have the Christmas party or whatever. And then you get the token appearance from the CFO, the CIO, the CEO, the, you know, all the C-suite people. And they're all down there. And they're talking to themselves. And then they leave because nobody's going up to them. Now, some of them make the effort to go out. But, more, you know, a lot of the people in the C-suite are more introverted. And, and so you go up to them. Don't miss an opportunity. Just network at every turn. And then create relationships, not business connections. You know, meet people and find out something personal that makes you continue the relationship as a friendship and then leverage that so that it has business results. Janet, one last question for you. Maybe three words that come to mind which will help women to get better in the way they are leading their career path and also become leaders in business and IT. I think... Establishing a career direction and a career goal is very important. I think that having a home life plan with your partner as to how you're going to manage that that balance is very important. And I also believe having confidence is, is important. If you're smart, service-oriented, analytical, and a problem solver, you've got the foundation to be an IT rock star. All you need is the confidence to perform like the rock star that you are. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Fawn and Janet, for sharing your thoughts about how to get uh, more women in IT. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. 
Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.